Take your Bibles this morning and turn with us to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll begin reading in verse 19. I know we've already preached two messages from the book of Romans. The first one was an overview of the whole, I mean, from the book, from the chat, from chapter 8. The first was an overview of chapter 8. And then last week we spoke from verse 18. And then today I want us to have one final message from this chapter. And I'm entitling it, Freedom Available to All. Freedom Available to All, Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Follow in your Bibles as we read. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, they, but ourselves also, which had the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we shall pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage. We thank you for your grace toward us, your love toward us. We thank you, Lord, that I imagine most of us in this congregation today have trusted Jesus as our Savior. And we thank you for all the blessings that come because of that. We thank you, Lord, that we can share the gospel today and that anyone who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, they can believe the gospel and trust Jesus today and know that they're a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ and all is well here, now, and also in the future. Bless as we look at, at some things about freedom we find in Christ, and I pray you give us understanding 
And Lord, I just help us, help us to realize that we are free in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. So Lord, just bless this, this time, give enablement to bring the message. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Today, our country is being invaded by streams of illegal immigrants coming across our southern border. Though it is harmful to our country, left-wing politicians are letting it happen and encouraging it because they are in hopes that these illegals will become voters who will vote to keep them in power. Since they encourage them to come in illegally, it should not surprise us if they try to get the vo their votes counted, even if those people who are voting would be illegal and, and they would be illegal for them to vote, they would not be legal citizens. That does not bother them because the end justifies their means in their mind and the result will not be good for our country. We as Christians should be concerned about what is happening to our country today. The invasion of illegal immigrants is just one problem. We are also seeing a full-out attack on the moral fi fiber of our country. Homosexuality is praised and celebrated. Transgenderism is glorified and promoted by our government which is in favor of influencing our children in grade school to approve of uh, this practice as normal. I think you've probably heard about the, the drag parties they're having in some schools. I watched on the news the other night, and I was shocked to see that in, they were having this, and these guys dressed up like women, you know, and all the makeup and everything, and parents were sitting there with their children telling and, and laughing with them. And what a sad thing uh, that is. Criminals are being pampered and allowed to return to the streets and to where they commit more crimes. And socialism from which immigrants are fleeing is being promoted by politicians openly. The reality is the country that illegals are want wanting to enter is being destroyed from within. And I personally believe that it is intentional. So, as we, so we as Christians must stand up for what is right and oppose what is wrong. We must speak the truth. And also, come November, we as Christians need to make sure that we vote. Now, I'm not opposed to immigration, but it should be legal immigration. Everybody here today is, is here because of a result sometime back in the future or back in the past of immigration, unless you are directly descendant from Indians who were here uh, originally. It, we came by immigration, so I'm not opposed to that. It's easy to understand why these people from all these different countries would want, want to come to the United States. The reason, is, the reason is a simple reason, and it's called freedom. Freedom. In this country, we have freedom of speech. We're able to say what we want to say. You can say what you want to say, even though it's not uh, agreeable with a lot of people. In our country, we even have the right to say things against our government, and we need to say that if they're wrong, uh, and that's very important. That's one of our freedoms that we're guaranteed. And as you know, that freedom is under attack. We also have religious freedom, and that is we can practice our religion, whatever we feel, whatever we believe, we can believe that, and we can tell other people about it, and we have that religious freedom I treasure that religious freedom that we have in these United States. The country we left years ago was England. They did not have religious freedom. The Church of England was the prominent church, and the religious freedom was not known there. 
But so they fled to have religious freedom. And so I have the right to stand up and preach what I want. But also, a Mormon has the right to do the same. A Jehovah's Witness has the right to do the same. And if they take the right away from them, they'll take the right, right away from me. So I believe that we should be able to express what we believe, and I should be able to stand in a pulpit and say, those people are wrong. And they should be able to stand in a pulpit and say, I'm wrong. That's the freedom we enjoy. And that's not, that's not true in so many countries. And so we have religious freedom. We understand why people would want to come here. But that religious freedom is also under attack today. We have the freedom to bear arms. As you know, that is under attack. And that's very much under attack. But we have the freedom to bear arms. That freedom is not just to protect ourselves. That freedom is not to, so we can go hunting. That freedom is not, is, shouldn't be qualified by saying you'd only need so many uh, bullets to kill a deer. Uh, that's ridiculous. That freedom was not given to us because or was not, we were not allowed that freedom in, the, in these United States because we wanted to hunt. That freedom was really given us originally to protect us from the government. And so we have that, that, that right to bear arms in our country. I agree with that. I'm glad we do. I have several guns in my house. I'm not sure just how many, but there's several. And um, I've often said I would like to make a little placard. I've never done it. I should. But preachers like, you know, things that start with certain letters. Sometimes I preach with alliteration. Sometimes I don't. But uh, this is the five P's of a preacher. And that is you could have a sign on your house that says, Premises Protected by Pistol Packing Preacher. That would be a good one. <laughs> but... Uh, but anyway, I believe in that, that freedom that we have, but that also is under attack. We have the freedom in this country to be able to travel anywhere we want to within our, in our country. We can go from state to state and not be stopped on the way and wonder if we have a right to go into that state. I could get in a car today, and if I had the money for gas, I could travel all the way to California and never worry about somebody stopping me and checking to see if I had the right to do that. I have that freedom. That's not true in a lot of countries. We have the freedom to start a business. And years ago, I know Dave, here, here he has a business of his own, and he had to start that business. When I, was, uh, when I left the pastorate for just a short period of time, I thought it was going to be six months when we went from West Virginia back to Ohio. I told my wife, I said, you know, I, we, I can't get a job because I was only planning to be about six months. And I said, if I get, tell them the truth and tell them I'm only going to stay six months, I won't get a job that pays me anything. So I'm going to start my own business. And so I started my own business. It was called McGuff, uh, McGuffey Modifications. <laughs> and I did some remodeling, and I built a pole barn, and I built a garage, and I built several of um, uh, these mini barns, and I built a potting shed and things like that. I'd never done anything like that before, but I had basic skills. And with the help of some people who helped me out, my sons helped me out, so I asked advice from certain people, and they helped me out. I was able to do that because I had that freedom in the United States. You can't do that in a lot of countries. A lot of countries, when you're locked in a cast, you know, in a, in a certain place, you have to stay there. You can't get out. But you have that freedom in the United States. I can understand why people would want to come to our country. But the freedoms that are most precious to us are not given to us by the United States of America. The freedoms that are most precious to us cannot be given to us by the United States of America and, uh, or any other country. You can be a citizen of the United States and you can, have, you can lack freedom in lots of ways. 
Let's think about it like this. If you look back in your life, all of us have enough sin in our life to condemn us, and we know that's true. You look back in your life, and uh, there's reason for judgment. There's reason for condemnation. And so uh, you can be a citizen of the United States and not have the freedom from judgment because you deserve punishment for your sin. All of us do. Also, uh, we, can, uh, we can look within ourselves. And there are a lot of people living in the United States have all the rights that I've just mentioned, but they're not free because they look in, inside themselves and they're very defeated because they can't overcome the problems they have. Some are addicted to drugs, some are addicted to alcohol, some are addicted to uh, immorality, some, you know, all kinds of things. And they just can't seem to get their self under control, and they look within, and they're defeated, they're discouraged. And many people take their lives because they can't do anything about it, or don't think they can. And so that freedom they don't have. Also, they look around, and looking around, they, they're discouraged because of what they see. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know what's coming, and you don't know the blessings you have in Jesus Christ, it could be very, very discouraged to look around to see what's going on in our country and around the world. That could be very discouraged. It could be very discouraged when you see the circumstances in your life. And so you don't have freedom from discouragement unless you know Jesus. And so uh, people living in the United States lack the freedom from a judgment, they lack the freedom from defeat. They lack the freedom from discouragement. And they lack the freedom from fear because there are mo so many things that, are that make you afraid, especially if you look ahead. So if you look ahead and you not, don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible tells you hell is coming. And it's very defeating. And it makes you fearful when you realize that. And so you're not free from fear. So freedom from Judgment or condemnation, freedom from defeat, freedom from discouragement, and freedom from fear can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's the only place it can be found. In fact, you can have these freedoms if you live in a very repressive country. Do you know you can have freedom from condemnation or judgment, freedom from defeat, freedom from discouragement, and freedom from fear if you live in North Korea, if you live in Iran, if you live in Russia? If you live in China, you can have these freedoms, which are most precious, more precious than the freedom of speech, more precious than the freedom of religion or freedom to bear arms or any of those things we've mentioned. More precious than that are those freedoms, and you can have those in a repressive country if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, the passage we read this morning, verse 31, says something very, very significant. Look at it, Romans 8, 21. It says this, because the creature also... Shall also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Liberty. What's liberty? I looked up the definition of liberty. It means quality or state of being free. So you can be free in Christ. And it's glorious liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't understand that or realize it. We don't understand how much liberty or how much freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And so this morning in the message, as we deal with some of these verses, I want us to talk about that very thing. Freedom that we find in Jesus. Freedom that's available to everybody, regardless where you live. It's found in Jesus Christ. First of all, there's freedom from judgment. 
We looked at it early in Romans chapter 8. And it says in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You look back in your life. You remember those different looks we took? Looking back, looking within, looking around, looking ahead. You look back in your life and you see all the sin that you've committed in your lifetime. Everybody here, doesn't matter how young you are, you've committed enough sin that, would, that can make you fit for hell. We don't deserve to go to heaven. And so judgment is what we deserve. But there's freedom for ju- from judgment when, when, Jesus, when you trust Jesus as your Savior. Look at what chapter 8 verse 3 says. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In other words, he was a man, but he didn't have sin. And just in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. No condemnation that they're in the Christ to them that are in Christ. Why? Because he condemned sin in the flesh. He judged sin for us on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus died on the cross, and that's the gospel. Jesus died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. All of our sin was laid on him. He suffered. He bled. He died for that. He took the punishment that we deserve. And then he arose again on the third day. And so Jesus has paid for us. He's condemned sin, and he's judged sin. And therefore, we can have no condemnation if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look back with me to John chapter 3, that very familiar passage that has verse 16 in it, of course. And uh, verse John 3.16 is probably the most well-known verse in all the Bible. But John 3, uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, come from God, and no man can do those miracles which thou doest except God be with him. He didn't really ask the Lord how he could get to the kingdom. I sometimes say that, but that's really not what he asked. <laughs> he didn't ask anything. He just made a statement. You must be from God. Nobody could do what you do. And then Jesus said, I know what you really need. I know what you really desire. I know what your need is. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. In his explanation of the new birth, he describes to him how he can be born again. And that's verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's condemnation. You not perish forever, but you can have eternal life if you believe on Jesus Christ. So the way to experience that no condemnation is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that's the gospel, the death of the Christ, the resurrection of Christ, that raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth. There is a message that must be believed. That's the gospel. And you believe that gospel and you are not condemned. You deserve to be condemned, but you're not condemned because Jesus took that condemnation for you. He was judged for you, and so you don't have to be condemned. As John 1.11 says, He came into His own, His own received Him not. But to as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So believing the gospel removes the condemnation. Isn't that great freedom? 
We look back in our life. It doesn't matter how long you've lived. Let's say uh, you're 40 years old and you look back and there's, oh, there's so much sin that, that, that condemns you that you deserve to go to hell for. But you look back and you're not, and, and, uh, you're not bound by that. You're not, you're not discouraged by, the, by that because it's all been paid for. Jesus paid it all. Maybe you live to be uh, 90 years old and you look back and there's a whole lot back there. But that doesn't matter. Jesus paid it all. And you're not condemned. So we have freedom from judgment, freedom from condemnation. Also in Jesus Christ, we have freedom from something else, and that's defeat. You see, looking back, you say, oh my, I deserve judgment. Looking in, you realize something, and that is you can't do anything about it. You can't... You can't uh, change your life and so many have tried to do that many have tried to turn over a new leaf you know they they want to become religious and they try to do different things and and they're frustrated because what they want to be they can't be because the sin nature inside keeps them from being perfect keeps them from being right and they're defeated by that and so many people have just come to the end of themselves and into their life because they're frustrated because of what they see inside. They can't change it. But when we trust Jesus Christ, there's no defeat there. We're free, we're, we're, we're free from that defeat because we look in and find that when Jesus Christ saves us, he gives us his spirit. And his spirit lives in us and he's the one that gives us victory over sin. And verse, uh, verse 5 of chapter 8 says that um, for, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they, but they after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the fleshly mind can't be subject to God. So you look in and you're hoping for some, uh, some encouragement. You're hoping for some freedom from this defeat. But you can't have it because you can't change. You can't change. But when you trust Jesus, his spirit comes in you and he gives you the ability to be what he wants you to be. And he lives inside of us. It's sad that some Christians never grasp that. And I've mentioned in previous messages, you know, it's not right for us as Christians to say, I just couldn't help it. That's never right. We can. We should never say, I can't get the victory. No, you won't get the victory. You can. Why? Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why would he say that? Because we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in us. Look at verse 9. It says, For ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Spirit of God does live in us, and he will give us the victory. If we'll let him do that, he will give us the victory. But isn't it sad that some Christians never see that? Some Christians never see that because they allow something outside their body to control them rather than let the Holy Spirit who lives inside their body control them. And uh, I'm not looking down on anybody, but I never experienced this myself. I've often said to people, you know, I never, I never could quit smoking because I never did. I never started, <laughs> and I don't. I haven't been able to quit drinking alcohol because I never started. <laughs> but a lot of people have not been that fortunate. 
and they have, and it's got a grip on them. And sometimes they're controlled by something they hold in their hand. It be, can be an outward thing, just a small thing like a cigarette. Or it can be a, a bottle of beer or a bottle of whiskey or, or something like that. Or it can be a bottle of drugs. Or it can be whatever it might, might be. Something they hold in their hand controls them, and, and yet the Spirit of God lives in them with all His power, and they submit to that that they hold in their hand, that material thing, rather than submit to the Spirit of God. When we look within us, we as Christians can be free from defeat because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> I don't, try, I don't say that. I don't say that if you're going through something, it's easy for you to do it. No, it's not. Because you have to say no to the flesh, and that flesh fights you. But it's possible, and God can give you the victory. And that's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So freedom from defeat, because the Holy Spirit helps us live for him. And so God wants us to have that freedom from defeat. Also, there's a freedom from discouragement. You look inside, you're defeated because you can't do it unless you know Jesus as your Savior and have the Spirit inside of you. Also, you look around, and it's discouraging. Isn't it discouraging for the Christian? (laughs) I mean, all of us know we face family problems, and we face uh, problems at work, and we face problems over health. We face, face all these problems, and it can be very discouraging. And there's no perfect family. All families have trouble. And uh, I remember, I think it was uh, J. Vernon McGee, I believe it was, told, told uh, some people that were asking him a question. And they said, uh, Dr. McGee, when are you going to start doing family conferences? And he said, when I find one good family in the Bible. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true, isn't it? <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with family conferences, but it's hard to find a good example in the Bible because every family has trouble. And so you look around, there's discouraging things. But if you know Jesus Christ, you have help from the Lord in this passage that tells us you don't have to be discouraged. You can be free from discouragement. Why? Well, because verse 18 we looked at last week, I reckon that the sufferings of what? This present time. Looking around. (laughs) We look around. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We can, have, we can have victory or freedom from discouragement of, of the things around us because we know some things. And that is the Lord's going to work things out. And the Lord's going to make it turn out right. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight we just read, says, We know that all things work together. All things. That's, we look around. <laughs> we look around. All the things that are happening. All the things in our life. The Lord says, All things will work together for good to them that love God. So we don't have to be discouraged when we look around because the Lord says, I'm going to take care of that. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you're saved. Yes, you're saved. You know you are. And uh, you say, I, I know Jesus as my Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And, uh, well, if you're saved, the Lord says, The work God's doing with you right now, he's going to complete it. He's going to finish it. He's not going to be upset by problems or circumstances. He's not going to give up because it's getting too hard. The Lord says, I'm going to complete what I said I was going to do with you. And what is that? He's going to make us like Jesus. 
So we look around, we don't need to be discouraged because the Lord says, I started something to you and I'm going to finish it. And verse 31, he says, those he justified, he also glorified. If you're saved, what do you have a promise of? You're going to be glorified. You're going to have a brand new body. It is going to end well. And so you don't need to be discouraged by all the negatives around you and, this, and, the, discour- and the discouraging things around you. You don't need to be discouraged because the Lord says it'll all work out. I justified you. I'm going to also glorify you. I promise it. And so the Lord has promised that. And then when we don't understand how to pray, the Lord says, My Holy Spirit that lives in you is going to, bear, is going to intercede for you according to the will of God. So you don't need to be discouraged by the things around you because the Lord has it. He's going to take care of you. He's promised to do that. But then there's another look. Look, We look, um, we look behind us, and that uh, can cause you to think, I've got judgment because of my sin. You look within you, it can cause defeat, but not with Jesus. Because Jesus said, I paid for all those sins, no condemnation. And you look in the defeat and you, and you say, no, there's no defeat because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He's going to give me victory. And you look around you and you see things that can cause you to be discouraged. And you can say, no, I don't, I'm not going to be discouraged. I've often said that song, you know, that country uh, gospel song says, I don't have to worry anymore. That's not correct because we don't have to worry now. It's not that we don't have to worry when we get to heaven. We don't have to worry now. Now, I'm not saying I never do, but I shouldn't. Why? Because the Lord says you don't need to be discouraged because I've got it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to work it together for good. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be there with you. I love you. And just as sure as I justified you, I'm going to glorify you. It's going to turn out okay. You don't have to worry <laughs> now. And so the Lord, we're free from discouragement. But then also, we're free from fear. We're free from fear. Now that fear is caused when you look ahead. You know, a lot of people are afraid when they look ahead. They look ahead and see, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? They hear a message about hell and they're disturbed because they're looking ahead and thinking, oh, that would be awful. But we as Christians don't need to fear that because we look ahead and we see wonderful things coming. I mean, it's going to be wonderful and we don't need to fear as we look ahead. Looking ahead, we see some things that the scripture says. And that is verse 31, God is for us, and he will continue to be for us. God is for me. And whatever comes, I don't have to worry because God is for me. Also, verse 33, verse 32, uh, God will give us all things. Everything that we need, God will give us. He will give us all things. So I look ahead, and uh, I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I don't have to fear because the Lord says... I'll give you all things in Jesus Christ. And then also in verse 33, he starts a list, and we mentioned this in an earlier message. No one can effectively move against us. We look ahead, we don't have to fear anybody. And he gives some examples here. He says, uh, somebody might accuse you. And the Lord says, you don't have to worry about that, that accusation because I justify you. 
They say, but this, or maybe the devil comes before the Lord and says, Lord, this guy did this, this, and, and we're, we're a believer. And the Lord would say, I already paid for it. He's declared righteous. That doesn't change his standing. I paid for that sin. He's declared righteous. And so no fear there. Uh, as far as condemnation, verse 34, the only one that condemn us is Jesus that died for us and rose again, and he's also the one who prays for us. So the one who could condemn us comes against us and says, ah, oh, he deserves condemnation because of. The Lord would respond and say, that thing you bring up, I already paid for it, I died for it, I rose from the grave, and I'm interceding for him, I'm his lawyer, and you don't argue with me. <laughs> And the Lord says, takes away that fear. We don't have to worry about it. And then also, in the latter part of the passage, he talks about separation. And he says, what can separate us from the love of God? And he goes through all these things. What can separate us? And the answer is, nothing can separate us. Nothing whatsoever can separate us. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Look at verse 37 of Romans 8. He says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That passage that you might have a question about, it says in verse, verse 36, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's the way we feel sometimes, you know. Sometimes we feel like, look, everything's going wrong. It seems like it all is going wrong in my life. And it might feel that way, but the Lord says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us more than conquerors that means that there's nothing that can be brought against us and we're more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from the lord's love nothing whatsoever he mentioned several things and they ends up mentioning a whole lot of other things and he said nothing can separate us from the love of god you see more than conquerors the word there conquerors is the word that says overcomer translates sometimes overcomer it's also the word that's victory, means victory. And it's a word that a lot of us are familiar with, and some of you might even have it on your shoes right now. It's the word Nike. What does Nike mean? Victory. It means overcomer. And uh, so the Lord says we are overcomers. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We are winners. No need to fear the future because we're overcomers. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That's the word, overcomes, is victorious over the world. And this is the victory, that's the word, Nike, that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh? Who is the victor? Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're a Christian, you're an overcomer. In fact, you're more than an overcomer. And as, as Romans 8 verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him that, that love, that we're more than conquerors through Christ. And so we are a super Nike. <laughs> we are a super victorious because of Jesus Christ. So you say, you look at this as we've just discussed it, and there's these different looks. You look back, no condemnation. You look in, no defeat. You look around, no discouragement. And you look ahead, no fear. You see, the true freedom we all need 
and it can never be lost, is found in Jesus Christ. And go back to the beginning of the message of talking about the immigrants. What are the immigrants coming for? Freedom. Freedom. But many of those immigrants never find it because they're looking for freedom that's limited. And they might find some of the freedoms they want in the United States, but true freedom they'll not find until they find Jesus Christ. Now that puts us in a position where all these people are coming. And I haven't met them myself, but they will, if they haven't come, they'll soon come tomorrow. And uh, these people are being brought in, and some of them bust in, some of them flown in, and they're coming in. I believe they're illegal. They, don't, they shouldn't be here, but they are here. And when they're here and you have an opportunity, you don't need to be mad at them. If you were in their position, you'd probably want to come too. You don't want to be mad at them, but you want to present them what they really need, and that is true freedom, and that's found only in Jesus Christ. And so what we have to offer is freedom to anybody. It doesn't matter where they're from. The freedom they need is found in Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord that we know that freedom. Let's be sure that we share it. Let's pray. Father, thank you today that you've allowed us to see again the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that we might count it dear. I know all of us count dear our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, our freedom to bear arms, and all of these things guaranteed by the Constitution and our Bill of Rights. But Lord, sometimes we forget that the most freedoms, most important freedoms are not found or not granted and not given in a place called the United States or anywhere else. The most important freedoms are found in Christ. And anybody can have that regardless where they live if they know Jesus. I pray that you would help us to know that for sure, believe it, and share it as we share the gospel with others around us. We thank you, Lord, for this um, reminder and pray that you might use it to speak to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.